0: Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast, with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. We're going to start a new series today. And as you notice, my beautiful better half is up here. Those of you who may not know, Amy actually got her ministerial credentials last year, and so she's a licensed minister. And I'm gonna be honest, she is so far outside her comfort zone right now, being up here. This is not her favorite thing. Uh, So I appreciate her doing this. We're gonna talk, do a series about relationships. Uh, Marriage, we're gonna talk about marriage. So some of you who are married today are gonna say over these next couple weeks, man, I wish I'd learned this years ago. Some of you who are single, and hope to be married someday or married again someday. You're going to say, wow, I wish I would have learned this years ago. Um, and so that's what we're going to try to do. So this is called What Happy Couples Know. Now, please understand, we are not saying that we are experts. We are not saying that we have all this together. We're still a work in progress. We're still fairly newlyweds. We've only been married 21 years. Uh, so we're, compared to some of you guys, man, we're, we're still babies. So uh, we're still and he got
1: that right. So that's a plus.
0: <laughs> Math. Math. Um, so we're just going to share some things we learned. Some of this is coming from a, a, some material that we got from uh, North Point Church. Uh, some of that's coming from that. Some of it's coming from books we've read. Some is just coming from life lessons. Some of it has been learned from some of you guys that have been married for a while. So uh, we're really excited about this. It's going to be fun. I do want to take a moment and say thank you for your giving. Um, as you know, prices on everything is going up right now, right? And we have helped. Multiple, multiple, multiple families in the last couple of weeks with utilities, with rent. Uh, Homes has <laughs> bailed us out several times. They've helped with some things too. So, thank you for your giving. Those of you who give regularly, thank you. If you haven't started, man, it's a great time to start with a new year. Uh, but I know God will bless you for all the work that you're doing as well. Getting up there. Yes.
1: <laughs> there we go. I conquered my worst fear was getting on the stool.
0: Amy's like, I don't know if I'm going to make it up there. I was like, Oh, you can make it, and she was a little worried. She's she's a little smaller than me, so. So this series, we're going to talk about relationships. Now, how many of you know marriage is hard work? How many of you know being single is hard work? Yeah, so it's it's tough. So guys, if you're single or if you're in high school or college, please don't tune this out. Please learn these next couple weeks. Uh, Those of you who are are widowed and are hoping to have another relationship, maybe, or divorced and hoping to have another one, you can learn. Those of you who said, you know, I'm done, I'm good. God is going to use you to mentor younger couples. You're not done. So please understand. So this is for all of us to learn. So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, Paul tells the church in Ephesus, live a life filled with what? Love. Let's try it again. He said, live a life filled with? Love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So we could be done right there, right? If you're married, live a life filled with love. If you're single, live a life filled with love. If you want to be married someday, live a life filled with love. But we're not. So in these next couple weeks, we're going to get super, super, super practical. We're going to get down into the weeds and just be very, very practical about some things about marriage. And I hope you guys learn. I've learned a lot. We've learned a lot just studying for this. Uh, but God has a lot to say about marriage. God has a lot to say about relationships. He has a lot to say about how to treat other people, right? He tells us a lot of things. So we're going to look at those things. So today we're going to kind of set the table for this. We're going to kind of lay out the groundwork. But you know, uh, <laughs> I'm going to generalize a little bit. I know we don't all fall in these boxes. But how do men typically think of relationships? If it ain't broke, don't. Fix it, right? That's just kind of how men are for the most part. We're very practical. If a, a, our wife or our girlfriend says, I want to talk about a relationship, we think, well, this is not good. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> when they say they want to fix something, that means something's broke. And so, right? But then on our vehicles, men are always tinkering, aren't we? For the most part, we're always, you know, like I would go out in the garage and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the antifreeze in my motorcycle. I'm going to put racing antifreeze in it. And Amy says, are you going to race? Well, no, but it's better. Is it broke? No. Then why are you working on it? Because I want it to be better, right? Men, how many times have you been driving and you hear a rattle in your vehicle? And you're like, do you hear that? And your wife's like, what? I don't hear anything. I can hear it. And we're climbing around under the back seat with our wife at the wheel, you know, like holding it, trying to figure it out, right? And they're like, just turn the radio up. It's fine. You know, it's but women, they want to talk. They want to talk about relationships, right? I mean, they want to discuss it. They want to talk about hopes and fears and dreams. And men are like, uh, you hear rattling. Like, I mean, just like, wow, I don't, I don't get it. So, and your wife will say, you heard that in the car, but I could be sitting right next to you and you don't hear me talk, right? I mean, it's, it's, that's just how things go. So we're going to talk about this. So here's the thing, guys. All of us have... Hopes and dreams and desires in relationships, right? We all bring hopes, dreams, and desires into our relationships. So we all come with a box. Your box may be bigger, your box may be smaller, but we all come with like this box of all these desires we have for our marriage. And these come, um, we come with these preconceived notions, these preconceived hopes, dreams, and desires, right? We all come into these with these things that we want. We have ideas of how we want our marriage, our relationships to look like, of what our spouse will do in our relationship, right? Are you with me? We all bring these things in, and, you know, they they might have these different expectations that we want, right? you ready? Yeah.
1: I was like, hey, you're reading into my notes here. Um, No, we all have different ideas, and a lot of the different ideas and expectations we have are how we grew up. Or things that we saw in our own families, either our parents or our grandparents. And uh, Rex and I came from two totally different backgrounds. So the expectations and the things I thought marriage meant were much different than the things that he thought. Because our homes were much different and the relationships within our families. And so a lot of the things that we think and we define come from our own experiences. Some of those things could be that one of you grew up in a home where mom stayed home all the time. And another one, mom worked. So maybe one comes in thinking, you know, my wife should be a stay-at-home mom, and then the other thinks, well, no, I want to work. You know, that's one thing we talked about right away as I said, I love children and I want to have children, but I will never be a stay-at-home mom. Like, that just wasn't my desire. And so we, you come up with that and you decide that ahead of time. Um, A lot of things we see that we talk about in premarital counseling with couples, which we're doing a whole bunch right now, and it's been really fun, but um, a lot of the things we talk about is, you know, what does it mean, like, to come together, not just in marriage, but, like, your bank accounts, and how are you going to handle money, and how are you going to make those big life choices, and then, um, like, how much time should a spouse spend at home, You know, we encourage them. Have friends outside of your marriage that you can go hang out with. But how much time do you expect to spend together in your relationship? And that's dating and that's marriage. When you're dating, you have to come up with that, you know. How much time do I need with you together? And then how much time can you go and spend with your other friends or your quiet time? How are you going to handle conflict? Are we going to scream it out? Or are we going to sit down and calmly discuss it? Because that's something to know. Or both. Um,
0: Sometimes you do both.
1: Sometimes you do both. Um, Holidays, you know, that's a big one Like that we have to come up with in our families. And that changes as life goes on. Things change. As you're hours away from family, it changes. But just those things that can bring conflict in your marriage, that sometimes you just have to sit down and talk about Um, chores. This comes better when you have children, Right. The more children you have, the less chores you have, right? Is that how it works? Or more? I don't know. But um, and he, so these are just things that expectations that we have that even we see like years into marriage that families are struggling with. Like, well, she never does this or he never does this or he expects this from me. And um, we see that in marriages you know, 20, 25 years that we talk to couples that are struggling because they just have not talked through those hopes and those expectations that they have.
0: So we all come in. We've got a little illustration here.
1: It's going to make me get down, huh?
0: I know. I was going to pick it up so you didn't have to. <laughs> so we're still working on this. So we all come into relationships with this, this box, right? So we bring this to the marriage with us or to the dating relationship with us. You're supposed to go, ah, oh, right? This big box, all right? So, um, so some of the men have this desire that she's gonna watch football with me. <laughs> go Chiefs! That's right. I've got the socks on, if you haven't noticed.
1: Yes. Woo! So,
0: so some guys say, "Hey, I want my wife to watch football or basketball or golf." People watch that on TV, right? So they say there that. are limits. There are limits. <laughs>
1: Sometimes, or that yeah. he's going to be the handyman. So when something needs fixed, he's going to know how to fix it,
0: right? This was a big one when we got married because her dad is very handy. I am not. Like, I try. I'm, I'm the whole Tim Allen home improvement thing, you know. I, I make the whole bigger and that I call somebody to come fix it. So, you know, she had this expectation that, hey, you're going to be able to fix stuff. And I said, I never did this stuff as a kid. I got to learn. So I have books and YouTube now and I have to figure those out. So... So some guys come into relationships saying, hey, I want my wife to keep the house clean. <laughs> <laughs> some ladies come into relationships that have never had to do that, right? There are homes. We go into homes on the fire department and we're like, ah. I'll call Amy and say, start the washer, get the water hot. I'm going to come home and throw my clothes in. But we have these expectations, right? Is it fair to expect that they're going to do this? You need to talk about that beforehand right?
1: And then as wives, we think, especially if we've been home all, this, all day long and dad walks in the door, we expect that dad's energy level is just going to go up and he's going to play with the kids all night, right? So no matter how tired they are or what they've had through their day, we expect them to just drop everything and play with the kids and spend time with the kids. So that's something that's really important to talk about.
0: And so as men, we, we talked last year in our, our marriage series. There's a book by a guy named William Harley, like the motorcycle, not of the motorcycle family. But, a, but he wrote a book called His Needs, Her Needs. Excellent book. If you guys like to read, it's incredible. If you don't like to read, uh, we all, all of us have a Right Now Media subscription. If you don't have it, let me know. Cindy and I will get you hooked into it. The church pays for everyone to have one. It's on there. You can watch it at home. It's called His Needs, Her Needs. But one of the big needs men have is for their wives to be a recreational companion. That means they want you to play with them, (laughs) like to to put it in its most basic terms. So some guys want their wives to ride motorcycles with them. Some guys want their wives to to play softball with them or to go golfing with them or drive the cart while they attempt to golf. Or uh, I said attempt. It's not always. Or do those different things. But, guys, these are all expectations we come into relationships with. And they're not always spoken. We don't always tell our spouse this is our expectation. And then we get frustrated when they don't do that, right? You ever been there? Have you ever had a fight about a hope or dream desire that your spouse never told you they had? It happens in relationships. So we'll put our toys back on our box here. But so these hopes and dreams and expectations, like Amy mentioned, have come from different places. Right? Sometimes we come into marriage or into dating relationships with these expectations because this is how we grew up. This is how our parents did things or their parents did things. And so maybe it's through movies. Uh, guys, I'll be really honest. Like, when, I, when we got married, a lot of my thoughts about marriage came from TV shows I'd watched as a kid. I mean, it, it really was. And they weren't good. And so I had to totally revamp these things Uh, I had a course in college that talked about some of this stuff, and then Amy and I had to work through a lot of this stuff. We got married, and so they can be from our family, our friends, maybe from books. There's a whole book series out there now that is, (laughs) ladies typically read more than men, Fifty Shades of Grey, and it's causing a lot of issues in marriages because they're unrealistic desires and dreams, right? It's not good for marriages, so... But, guys, here's the thing. For, at the center of all these hope, dreams, desires is who? Me. I bring these things. We bring these things in relationships, and they're all about us. But Jesus said, through Paul, we have to live a life filled with what? Love. And so sometimes these things are more um, selfish. And here's the thing, guys. We bring these in, and we hand this box to our spouse when we get married. Hey, here's all my hope, dreams, and desires. Good luck filling them. But you know what our spouse sees? Expectations. To our spouse, these feel like expectations. I expect you to watch football with me, even though I have no idea about football, right? Or I expect you to keep the house clean, but I've never done that. My parents both worked and they shared the chores, right? I expect you to come home and play with the kids, even though you're not a kid person. They're yours now. Do something with them, right? Right? I expect you to know how to fix stuff even though you may not know how to fix stuff. And so these to our spouse look a whole lot like expectations. They feel a whole lot like expectations. So so what happens when we bring these things to our marriage? What what do we do? There's going to be a what? Collision. There's going to be an explosion. There's going to be a train wreck at some point. And so there's five things that typically happen. Now, we're going to talk about four today. If you want to have a horrible marriage, do these four things. (laughs) I'm just being honest. If you don't want to have a horrible marriage, we need to avoid these things. And, guys, we will all see some of our marriage in these things, okay? We will all see it. So when this collision happens, there's a couple things we can do. One, we leave. I don't even know the divorce rate. Is way too high. And so we leave. People say, this isn't what I signed up for. This is what marriage was supposed to be like. You didn't act this way when we dated. (laughs) You ever been there? You didn't act like this when we were dating. You thought it was funny that I did this. You know, you thought it was cute when I left my socks on the floor. Now you're throwing them at me. What is this? (laughs) Like, why is this happening? And you know, there is good news. Right now, the divorce rate in America is lower than it's been since 1970. It's at like 34%. That's awesome. But there's a cav- caveat, caveat here. The marriage rate is lower than it's ever been. More and more and more people are simply moving in together, or they're just living together, or they're engaged for 20 years. And they never get that engaged. The statistics I read, for every 1,000 unmarried adults in 2019, only 33 got married. One thousand unmarried adults 33 of them would get married and part of that I think is people are terrified because they've seen so many bad marriages in movies on tv their parents their friends who got married so a lot of people are simply leaving they're just they're bugging out they're saying this isn't what I signed up for I can't do it I can't meet these expectations you have so I'm just going to leave
1: so what we see a lot of times, and I'll talk about those four things, but what we see a lot, and we do like a, what's the test we, take, we do with?
0: Uh, prepare and enrich. The
1: prepare and enrich test that we do, which I would say no matter how long you've ever, you've been married, if you have not taken a prepare and enrich, it's actually a lot of fun to do. We took one when we were in our premarital counseling before we got married. And, you know, through that, they're like, this is what you're going to fight about and this is how to take care of that. And we kind of put it in the safe and left it and brought it out like five years later and did it again, and we were like, wow, that's crazy. So um, throughout that, just talking through some of the issues, and we always tell people when we're doing premarital counseling, like, Talk through this, because it might not be an argument now, but it will be later. And I think that comes with every area of life. There's different things. We all know as our kids get older, we fight about different things. Or as our kids grow up and they leave the house and it's just you, then you fight about different things. And so um, we just want to really just kind of talk about some of those big things. Um, And we always see a lot of times when we do these prepare and enrich or we talk to couples, there's always that stronger personality. So you have your timid personality And then you're really outgoing, boisterous personality. And it seems like those two people tend to come together. And so that's where sometimes it's good and it's bad. But, like, you would never know that, like, Rex is the shyer one. And I'm more the one that, like, wants to talk to everybody. And (laughs) um, we always talk about we have people come over and Rex is like, he hits, like, a limit and I could talk all night, you know. So it's good to have those opposites, but then also that can bring a lot because you're one that has your higher personality and more outspoken tends to sometimes overrun, the more timid one. And so um, the four things that we're going to talk about today, the four C's of a dysfunctional relationship. One is convince. This is how you thought it would be, but then it's not. So now you're going to do everything that you can to get your way.
0: This is when one one partner wants to win all the time. That's that second line that we want to win. We either leave or we win. And so they do these four things.
1: So um, with convince, it's how we handle our conflict. What are we going to do for holidays? How are we going to do our finances? We try to give our spouse to like our idea so that we can always win and we always get what we want. So that's not a healthy part in marriage. And um, something you really have to work through and realize is that my spouse's opinion is just as important as mine. So no matter what conflict that we're going through, that's what we'll have to sit down sometimes and say, okay, how do you feel? How do I feel? What does God say about this, and how are we going to meet in the middle while still following what God says? Because we might both be in line with what God says, but we disagree with how we get there. And so that's really important is that we talk through that and not... Try to convince each other, but try to work together to get to that spot. The next one is convict. We make them feel guilty if they don't want our way. So if they don't feel like our way is right, then I want to, like, make them feel guilty. Well, you're not doing it right, or you don't know what you're talking about. Um, that comes from just different backgrounds and different, our different mindsets. And so it's really important that we, again take into account their feelings and their emotions. And then control. That's when we want to run our spouse. You probably see people in relationships that you're like, yeah, that one runs the relationship. Whatever they say goes. And that's not really how we want to be. We want to talk about it and say, does this work? Does, how are we going to do this? Can we, you know, Can we work together on this? And sometimes it is give and take. Like going back to that box, one of my hardest things was the um, what's my hardest one? The companionship. The trying to find things to do. I go and I will ride on the motorcycle not because I want to do it. I'm scared to death. I hold my breath. We're only allowed to go as far as my breath can hold because <laughs> I might pass out. And so, like, literally, I sound like I'm in labor because I'm like, <sighs> the whole time we're riding. But I do that because it's something that he enjoys and he loves because he'll sit there then in return and watch a chick flick with me, so and say he doesn't like it. Pray for but, me. <laughs> so anyhow, so that goes back to the control. We have to give and we have to take. And then coerce is really manipulating. When we hold our affections, we get mad, we withdraw, we, um, you know, we start just hoarding our thoughts and our um, emotions and not giving our spouse what they need. Because we're trying to hurt them or discipline them or make them pay for whatever it is how they're hurting us.
0: And so, you know, we said there were four things. We leave, we win, and guys, the, the spouse that wins is typically pretty happy in the marriage, aren't they? Because they're getting their way. They're manipulating their spouse, they're running over their spouse, and they they love it. But how does the spouse feel? They're usually pretty miserable. And a lot of times they won't do anything about it because they don't know how to get out. They don't know how to, to fix it. And so they get very frustrated. So they leave or we win or we conform. And this sounds like a good thing, right? Conform to what our spouse wants. But we become someone we're not to compensate for our partner not accepting us. And guys, I've, I've said this a thousand times. You'll hear it a thousand times. But the, the man who did our premarital counsel or Counseling. His name is Burl Best, one of the greatest men I've ever met. He's amazing. He was the head of the counseling department at CBC. I think Dana Libby probably know him. Uh, he was around. But he said, in a marriage, there's, there's two big lies that people believe when they come into marriage. The man believes that the woman will never change. And she does. Hormones, right? And the woman believes that she can change her husband. And men, for the most part, don't change. We're pretty much the same. Kid, we were at 19 as we are at 40. We're just older and balder, some of us. You know, we just, you know, the kid's like, wow, you've lost a lot of hair. I, like, I had hair before you came along. You know, I tell them that. <laughs> I tease them. Um, but so women want their, their husband to change into their image, into their idea, their expectations. And a lot of times men don't feel that. And so men also try to bend their wife into their expectations, and it, it just doesn't work. So we We can form. And so we'll we'll hear people say, well, if they're happy, I'm happy. I'll just deal with it. I'll just do whatever they want. But what happens when you do that over and over and over for years? People become resentful. And, guys, this is one of the reasons we're seeing so many divorces of people who have been married 20, 30, 40 years. Because one partner, it just gives and gives and gives and gives and never gives anything back. And eventually they say, you know what, kids are out of the house, I am out. And it's happening at an alarming rate. So, guys, we need to make sure that we communicate. This is how we fix this stuff. We communicate. And we'll talk about another one here next week. But we conform. And then we compromise. Compromise is another one. It sounds great. But I'll do my part if you do your part. So, guys, what happens when we compromise all the time in marriage? It makes kind of a debt debtor relationship. If I do this, you do this. If I do this, you do this and marriages can work this way. For years and years and years and years and years, it'll work, but you're never truly happy. So um, whether it's dating, whether it's, where, but there's no trust. If you compromise all the times, you're constantly tru- mistrusting your spouse, and you can't have intimacy with someone who doesn't trust you. Because I, I had a guy that I talked to, he'd been married for Oh, man, probably 20 years at this point. And he was confiding in me. And from the outside, it looked like a great marriage. But you know what his wife would do? If she wasn't happy with something, she would withhold affection from him. She had a lot of headaches, if you know what I mean. Uh, And she would hold that out until he did what she wanted. So he would tell me the only way I ever get affection, sex, from my wife is if I do what she wants. And he said, this is not working. But you know where she got that? She learned it from... Her parents, he probably learned it from her parents, and so guys, it doesn't matter how long you've been married. We can change these things. So, what happens when we dump all of our expectations? When we take this box and hand it to our partner and dump it on them, what happens?
1: And with that, one of the one of the things you hear so much that drive me crazy is the happy wife, happy life, or happy wife, happy house. And that drives me crazy because I think it's so, like, selfish because if my house can't be happy unless I'm happy, then that's kind of selfish of me. You know, yes, we can set the tone and the mood for our house. If my kids come home and I've had a bad day and I'm kind of snappy with them, then they end up grumpy. So, that, but that's everybody. But that's one of those things that I'm like, I don't like that saying because it's so false. Like, Jessica's mom's happy doesn't mean everybody's happy. So, that's my little soapbox there for a minute. But, uh, so what happens when we dump our expectations on our significant other? We feel like they owe us. We feel like, you know, I married him, so it's his job to always show me affection. Or it's his job to always support me financially. Or it's his job to, you know, when he gets home from work to take care of the kids, you know, um, things like that. And so it's putting so much on our spouse when we throw all of those expectations on them. We need to think about that unified more. I've never said, wait till your dad gets home, because I'm like, when dad gets home, we will talk. But that's not, when dad gets home, it's all about him, and he has to take care of your children, you know, sometimes I will say they are your children today, <laughs> but we are unified, but usually it's on a good day when they're being goofy and I'm like, she is your child, but, or he. Um, so we feel like they owe us and we don't sometimes define good roles in our relationship. Yes, Rex will always be the head of our household and he will always be the spiritual leader in our household. But we're still unified in that. And by me being submissive to him, then our children see that and we'll be submissive to him. I see so many families that they're like, well, our kids just don't respect their dad. Well, do you respect their dad? Or our kids treat mom badly. Well, is dad respecting the kids? You know, because that's where they learn it. That's where our kids learn it. And I think the biggest challenge for me more is like I want our relationship to be good Because I want my grandkids to grow up in healthy homes. And so for my grandkids to grow up in healthy homes, our kids have to know what healthy homes look like, which means we have to have a healthy home. So that's kind of what we strive for. So just those expectations and making sure that we're not putting more on our spouse than than they deserve to have.
0: So, yeah, expectations create that debt-debtor relationship, and then they, they create a sense of ingratitude. What does that mean? Well, when we go out and eat, and the waiter brings me a drink, and I think, like, "Oh, that was so nice of you. Thank you for doing that." No, that's their job, right? I tell them thank you, and I leave a tip for that, but I expect it, right? And so I don't go up and say, "Man, you're 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 just a rock star. Thanks for bringing me that." And I'm like that's what I'm getting paid to do, right? And so. We don't appreciate, a lot of times, people overly appreciate people who are just simply filling their roles. And so you ever heard that saying, familiarity breeds contempt? When I just expect Amy to make dinner every night, I don't say thank you, do I? Because I just expect it. But when I don't expect it and I say thank you for doing that or thanks for doing the laundry, it makes it easier to appreciate her. When she just expects me to mow the yard every Friday and she never says thank you, what does that do? creates ingratitude. So we have, to, we have to make sure that we show gratitude to them. You know, we go to Walmart. We don't say, thank you for checking me out. Well, we do now because there's only like two cashiers and we have to do it ourselves. But <laughs> when somebody actually does it, wow, thank you for doing that. Uh, but side note. Uh, so, we, so what happens, guys, when we just expect our spouse to do things, we only notice when they don't do something. And then it feels like all you're doing is picking on me. All you're doing is yelling at me. All you're doing is saying what I haven't done right, but you didn't notice a thousand things I did right earlier. So expectations create this sense of ingratitude, and we need to fight that.
1: So then we're supposed to love our spouse unconditionally like Christ loves us. So John 13, 34 to 35 says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, and you should love each other. And then Ephesians 5 2 says, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God.
0: So expectations can create a debt-debt relationship. They can create a sense of ingratitude, and they can undermine our relationship uh, because we're supposed to love them unconditionally. So I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up. So just to close this up, we're not just going for a good marriage. Right? We're not going just for a good relationship. We're going for a Christian relationship, a Christian marriage. And that should look different. It should look different than what the world around us does. And so I love this line. Andy Stanley said this for years, and I've absolutely loved this. He says, a Christian marriage is not about getting what we want or getting what we feel like we deserve. A Christian marriage is, I want to say this right, a submission competition. A submission competition. I am submitting to my spouse, and she is submitting to me. And that creates this incredible cycle of love and respect, doesn't it? If I submit myself to her, if I put her needs above my own, it's a lot easier for her to love me and respect me. If she puts my needs above her own, it's a lot easier for me to love her as Christ loved the church. And so it's this great cycle. And, guys, we start that in our dating relationships, We don't wait until we're married to find a healthy relationship. We start that in our dating. I'm going to love her like Christ loved the church. I'm going to watch a movie that she wants sometimes instead of just watching sports all the time. Right? I'm going to go out and wash her car for her so she doesn't have to do it. I'm going to, you know, she's going to make sure my clothes are ironed for Sunday so I don't look like a bum. Right? I mean, it's I would wear them that way and she doesn't do that. Right? She helps me do that. So here's the thing. The point of this whole thing, the first thing healthy couples know, what does my spouse owe me? nothing. My spouse owes me nothing. And so many of us come into dating relationships, we come into marriage relationships saying, they owe me affection. They owe me cooking dinner every night. They owe me taking care of the kids. No, they owe me nothing, but I owe them everything. Because when I do that, when I give up my rights to serve her, and she gives up her rights to serve me, guess what happens? We have an incredible marriage built on Christian principles that's an example to others, right? People don't see that very often. What do we see? Well, I want this from my spouse. I want this from my spouse. I want this from my spouse. But if we race to submit to one another and we compete over who can submit more and who can serve more, it's an incredible thing. I knew a guy one time. He had been married for, oh, my word, forever. He didn't know how to cook anything. Like literally, when his wife died, he didn't know how to boil water. He would say, "Bring me this, bring me that," and she would do it. And so, when he got into his next marriage, his new wife said, "That ain't happening." He had to learn how to love and submit, and it took a while. So, we have to understand that our spouse doesn't. So, if you would stand, if you're physically able this morning and you're willing, would you stand? Thank you, Amy. I want to pray this morning. So I'm going to ask you just to take a moment and shut yourself in with the Lord. And if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Rex, I don't have this relationship with Christ that you're talking about. I know that you're talking about having a Christian marriage, but I'm not in a relationship with Jesus right now, but I want to be. I want to ask him to forgive my sins. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you're at. We want to pray with you this morning. If you're here today and you're in a marriage or you're in a relationship where you hope to be, I'm gonna ask you to take a few minutes to look at your expectations. What is in your box, hopes, dreams, desires? What are you hoping for a spouse? Guys, if you're single, start praying for your future spouse today. Lord, would you prepare that person? Would you help them to be the person that you've created for me and help me to be the person that you've created for them? Help me to have healthy expectations of that person, help me to learn. And if you're married today, I'm just gonna ask you to take a look at your heart and what what expectations am I putting on my spouse today? Because I think all of us would say, I wanna have a healthy marriage. All of us would say, I hope to someday find a spouse who's gonna love me like Jesus loved the church if you're not married. All of you would say, I wanna love my spouse like Jesus loves the church. So we're just gonna take a few minutes and pray. As we sing this last song, we just say, Lord, would you help me to have healthy expectations? Help me to serve my spouse in a way that honors them and expect nothing in return. So Jesus, I just pray for all those today who are single and who are hoping someday to have that relationship. Lord, would you help them to begin to be that person you've called them to be for that spouse that they'll have someday. To be that person who loves Jesus and will love their spouse like you love the church. Lord, help all of us who are married today to have healthy expectations of our spouse and to serve them, to, to be in a race to submit to them and not bring unhealthy expectations on them, but to serve them and love them like you love the church. And Lord, more than any of that, let us be great examples to this community around us of what a godly marriage looks like, to see what being a Christian looks like when put into practice. In Jesus' name, amen.